only difference between us, you know, us and, and everyone else is we have that conscious mind of wanting better and, and knowing better. Um, and we're relentless in the pursuit of, you know, okay, maybe I get on Google and I can't understand it, but you can pick up the phone and call someone who may maybe does and, and, and have that conversation with them. Hey, Jumpstarters, I'm your host, Kirsten. And I'm your co-host, Darius. Here at The First Cup, we're an advice-driven podcast to jumpstart your day or wind down your afternoon. Our conversations are centered around empowering millennials to proactively navigate through their careers, relationships, and lifestyle. It's been said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So grab your cup, Jumpstarters. And take your first sip of a new life. Hey there, Jumpstarters. How's it going out there? Hey, y'all. As you guessed it, we are getting up close and personal with money. According to Business Insider, only 24% of millennials are financially literate. So what does it take to become financially literate? That's the point of today's show. We sat down with a financial advisor to talk through some of the common topics around personal finances. Let's jump into it. Show me the money! I am Theo Williamson. I work for Edward Jones Investments. Uh, Edward Jones is headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, but my specific office is in Henderson, Kentucky. Um, I am licensed in over 15 different states to be able to uh, do retirement planning, education savings, also insurance needs as well. So basically, you're the real deal when it comes to financial planning and all things money, money, money. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to start off the conversation with some general true and false questions. And then if you could give us like a short, maybe 30 second pitch around that topic and why that statement was true or false. So I'll start with the first question. True or false, you should save six month worth of rent and expenses. That is true. Uh, typically in our practice, we recommend, of course, three to six months, uh, six months being the, the sweet spot of where you want to have emergency savings. Reason being, it allows you to have money um, on the sidelines for an emergency, um, whether it's a flat tire, whether it's, you know, something that you got to get from the store for your home. Um, having that allows you to not have to use a credit card and pay interest um, and, and borrowing from, from other people that you may need that, need those funds for. So if you're trying to meet that goal monthly, how much would you recommend that like the person saves? Because we hear you need to save three to six months worth of rent and expenses, but like with what time frame? Like should they shoot for that each year or like... I guess, how do you make that realistic for our listeners? Yeah, realistic for everyone is different. Uh, I recognize that everyone has different goals, different things that they must pay off. Um, But I would say finding the sweet spot, of course, of doing something each month um, until you build up to uh, having that six months of emergency cash on the sidelines. And so personally, whether that's, you know, $50 $50 a month or $100 a month, um, and however long you multiply that out to take you to get to whatever your um, monthly expenses are, times six or times three months, um, will ultimately be the path that you can take to get there. Theo, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you handle investments as well? 
Um, we <laughs> do mutual awesome. funds, individual stocks, individual bonds, um, all of the investments under the sun. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, true or false, if you change your mind on an investment, you can't get your money back. I will have to say that is false. Um, typically, of course, you will experience fluctuation um, in the value of a company over time, whether that's it fluctuating from $30 a share down to $25 a share or fluctuating from $35 up to $40 a share. Um, Fluctuation is not loss. You still own the same amount of shares of that investment, of that company. Um, and so what you have the potential of at any given day is for one, uh, there's a value to go back above what you purchased it at. Um, two, uh, if you purchase a quality company, which is what we believe in at Edward Jones, you have the ability if it pays a dividend to collect the income um, that that company will pay you out of the profits for investing in that company. Um, or if it does take a significant loss, you can sell it uh, if it's not in a retirement account and use that loss to offset your taxes for the next year. Makes sense. What's the best way to start investing? Uh, just because I know with current times, people are looking for sustainability, uh, but it's, it's smart to diversify your portfolio if, if need be. So, yeah, what's what's the best way to start? Yep, the best way to start, uh, in my experience, in my personal experience, and my recommendation would be uh, to, one, sit down and, and figure out, one, your budget, how much you can afford to save or invest um, on a monthly basis. And so what I recommend, of course, is coming up with that dollar amount, whether it's $100 a month or $200 a month. Um, and then the type of investment that we typically start a newer personnel with investing in is a mutual fund. Um, and you already alluded to diversification being very important. And all diversification is is not having all of your eggs in one basket. And so a mutual fund, always use an analogy, if, and I'm going to ask you this question, Darius, if you were on an elevator and there was an earthquake, would you prefer your elevator to have one string or 10 strings? Oh, most definitely 10. <laughs> okay. So um, when you think about investing money, of course, and investing it in one company, let's just say you buy stock in Facebook. Um, that could be equated to having one string on your elevator. If something goes wrong, of course, you know, you're at risk of whatever Facebook is doing that day. If you invest in a mutual fund, which allows you to invest in, you know, more than one company at one time, you can invest in Facebook, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Pepsi, the list goes on. On any given day, if one of those strings pops on that elevator, you still have nine strings pulling you to where you want to go. Um, and, and so a mutual fund is definitely, you know, something that a tool that we use to, to help our clients accumulate um, and build their savings over time. So we'll shift gears a little bit and talk about credit. I know credit is something that we all need. True or false, you receive one free credit check a year. That is true. Um, you actually uh, are entitled, of course, to receive one free credit check from uh, each of the three credit bureaus that report. Um, and I, I will just preface this and say I'm not the credit expert, but I have 
personal experience and building my personal credit um, and then also just doing a lot of research on, on how you can do it. And so the three different credit agencies are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Um, but personally, and this is no pub to Capital One, but I have a Capital One card that I started out with um, when I was younger, and I can actually check my credit score on there every day if I wanted to for free. And that's a service mm-hmm. that they offer. That's very cool. So this is probably me getting a little bit transparent and vulnerable with our listeners. I have a low credit and it's not because I have um, credit card debt or have any type of debt. It's just because I haven't built my credit yet. It's so young. How can I increase my credit if I don't have credit to prove that I'm a good person to lend money to? Yeah. So, uh, Again, I'll preface it and say I'm not the expert, and there may be some things that I'll leave out, but from my personal experience and my research, of course, definitely payment history is the number one um, impact, I guess, to your score, which is the length of time that you have had established credit. Um, What follows that, of course, is the amount of debt that you have out there, um, and then, of course, your payment history. And so the things that go into it that I've found in my personal situation uh, is, one, of course, not borrowing more than than you can pay back, Um, making sure that if you have debt that is out there, you're paying it regularly, uh, making sure that if there are any delinquent accounts, um, that those are taken care of, you can actually either file a dispute um, or pay them with the, the debt collector uh, to be able to to be able to possibly get them removed from your credit report because having it out there um, is damaging. Um, And if you don't pay it, of course, it just stays on your credit report and continues to pull your credit score down for up to seven years until it drops off. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one other major thing that I've learned is, you know, when you're going through the checkout at Macy's and they ask you, do you want to open up a Macy's card? Mm -hmm. Um, All you have to do is apply for it um, and, and they'll give you that amount of whatever you can qualify for. They run your credit typically, um, and it goes on your credit as an inquiry or a soft hit um, is what they call it. But those will add up as well. Um, And what I found is that will ultimately pull your score down as well. So I know you mentioned that you are not in credit, a credit expert, (laughs) but one of our (laughs) next questions is centered around. Uh, a true or false type of ordeal, but it's centered around you having a perfect credit score or little to no debt to purchase a home. Is that true or false? I would say um, the definition of a perfect credit score uh, would be in question. Um, I would I would say, I guess, to answer the question, but that would be false. Um I would say you definitely have to have decent credit um, to be able to purchase a home and have it in a manner where you don't have, you know, 10% interest rate, which is not that beneficial. Um, But there are options and there's programs out there that will allow a person uh, to purchase a home if they don't have what would be considered perfect credit. So talking more about investing into your future, true or false, you should invest 20% of your monthly income to your 401k? I would say 
as a recommendation, that is true. Um, again, everyone's situation is different, and one of the things that we do in our office is we really sit down and look at each person's situation individually, understanding what's most important to them in regards to their savings goals and compared to some of their other goals, which may be purchasing a home, which may be paying for their child to go to college. Um, and we really devise a strategy to implement and, and plan for all of those things effectively. Um, and so as a basis, what I would always recommend is if you are working for a company and they do offer you a 401k and they do offer you a match, you should at least contribute that amount to take advantage of that free match. So what I mean by that, of course, is if your company says, if you contribute 6% into your 401k out of your paycheck each paycheck, we will match up to 6%. That is free money. You should take advantage of that 10 times out of 10 um, to be able to continue building toward your financial freedom. Uh, 20% is a number, of course, that we want to work up to over time that will give you the ability for whenever you're ready to retire um, to be able to retire comfortably and also be able to live off of your accumulated savings that you've had over time. So what if your company does not have the luxury of offering you a company match or let's say that you are self-employed? How can uh, millennials and our listeners build their credit and I mean, excuse me, build their 401k? Yep. So you can open up what's called an IRA, the individual retirement account. There are two different types of IRAs, and I will explain both of those. But um, ultimately, of course, a traditional IRA, uh, some of the basics to it is um, if you're under 50, you can contribute up to $6,000 per year. Um, If you're over 50, you can contribute $7,000 per year um, to save for your retirement. A traditional IRA is money that you will save and you will receive a tax deduction um, whenever you file your taxes that next year. So if you contribute six thousand um, and you make eighty six thousand, you can you will essentially pay taxes on eighty thousand. Um, and I'm not a CPA, so don't quote me on that number. But you'll be able to deduct what you contribute to your traditional IRA. Um, A Roth IRA operates differently where you contribute money to it, you do not get a tax deduction now, but when you're over 59 and a half, all of your growth comes out tax free. So it is very advantageous for someone who is a millennial or someone who's a younger age and even, you know, someone who's close to retirement as well to contribute to a Roth IRA right now where taxes are at an all-time low um, and be able to accumulate tax-free growth for whenever they retire in the future. So this is a question that just came to me off the fly. If you could rank in order of importance for focus areas for millennials, how would you rank the following savings? So like building your savings, building your 401k, making investments or building your credit. How would you rank those in order of importance for millennials? I would almost add life insurance. Oh, life insurance. So between those five, (laughs) how would you rank those in order of importance? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And so let me just rephrase it so I make sure I understand what the four. So it's uh, building your savings. That would be considered emergency cash? Yes. 
okay? Uh, your 401k, repairing your credit, and then also life insurance. Right. I would say number one is building an emergency savings. Uh, you definitely have to have a foundation to start everything on um, because if you do not have a, an emergency savings and you start investing, the first place that you're going to go if you have an emergency is taking it out of your investments. Um, and in a time like right now, to sell your investments at a 20% discount would not be ideal. Mm. So number one is emergency savings. Number two, and I feel you can do these simultaneously, um, building your credit would, would be important, making sure that you're paying off um, your debt consistently, um, but also balancing your savings needs as well because um, time is the most important thing um, when you're investing, of course, and investing a, a smaller amount over a longer period of time will result in magnified results compared to investing you know, a larger amount over a shorter period of time. And so I would say both of those go hand in hand where, um, you know, you definitely want to save in your 401k, which would be considered investing, um, and also working on, you know, paying off the debts that you have. Whenever you do your budget, you can strategically plan, um, you know, the amount that you want to save, the amount that you want to use for your debts, and also the amount that you want to go into your 401k. Um, and I would say life insurance falls into the same category as an investment. Um, because when you think about what will happen to you when you're no longer on this earth, um, when you get called home, most people say, oh, you know, it's not going to affect me. I'm going to be gone. Um, it will affect someone that is left with that burden. And so um, if you have assets, if you have debt, um, those are things that your life insurance will be able to pay off um, that won't replace you physically, but will replace um, the burden of all those financial responsibilities um, that will be left behind when you're, when you're this may be a personal question for myself, and I know I'm in the same boat as many other millennials, but I have student debt. What's the best way to save or eliminate the student debt? What I recommend to our clients, of course, is definitely understanding what that amount is that needs to be paid each month um, and making sure that you consistently pay that each month because that also helps build your credit. Um, but then as well as uh, there's different philosophies of paying off all of your debt before you invest. Um, but as I alluded to before, your time is something that you can't replace. Um, and so what I typically do with any debts that I have is I earmark a certain portion of each of my paychecks to go toward um, my debts or my loans. And then I earmark a certain portion of you know my income to go toward investing. And over time, you're able to balance those needs and those goals. <laughs> Going off that, what are your, I guess, percentages, breakdowns that you recommend for people to spend their money? So how much should go to expenses? How much should be fun money? How much should be saving money? Just a general, I guess, rule of thumb. Yeah, so general rule of thumb is what we call the 50-30-20 rule. Um, 
50% of your expenses go for your budget, like your rent, your mortgage, your food. Um, 30% goes toward, those are your necessities. 30% goes toward discretionary spending if you want it to or if you have the ability to do that. Um, and then also the, the last 20%, which you alluded to earlier, uh, is what we would recommend, of course, that, that you do save uh, to be able to put you in a position to reach financial freedom when you want to retire. Theo, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today, and it's really helped me, I guess, simplify my financial goals and really make my goals achievable. But one misconception that I've had, and I don't know if there's other people that feel this way, is that financial advisors or people like yourself is another added a cost. Realistically, ballpark, how much is it to sit down with someone from your office or someone like yourself? Yeah, so... It does not cost anything to sit down and go over a plan with myself. Um, and I welcome anyone who is who is open or even thinking about, um, you know, what they want to do in the future to at least have a conversation um, for us to figure out what that plan will be in the future. Um, second thing to that question is um, Vanguard, who is actually the number one do-it-yourself uh, investment platform actually did a study called the Vanguard Alpha um, that explains that having a financial advisor um, is very important uh, to not only the financial planning portion of um, your investments, but the tax savings, uh, the emotional coaching um, between you know the decisions that you make when the market is up and everything is fine and the decisions that you make when the market is down um, like it is right now. Um, and so all of those things are things that a financial advisor can assist a person with in regards to helping them achieve their financial goals that ultimately adds value um, over time that cannot be quantified. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm going to be calling you after this call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm down with that. And like I said before, it, it doesn't cost anything to sit down and, and at least, I mean, for us to talk about it. Um, and it does not, anytime we make a transaction, I'm always honest, transparent about what the cost is associated with purchasing um, the investments that we decide as well. Yeah, you've, you've been sharing so much valuable like information. I can't wait to continue to build our relationship offline. Uh, but before yeah. you take off, is there anything yeah. else that you would like to share, especially with <laughs> where we are, like uh, within the economy? Yep. So uh, right now in the middle of the coronavirus, of course, uh, I'm, I'm lost on what day of quarantine we are in right now. But what I will say is right now is the perfect time um, for us to sit down or do a web conference or talk over the phone about what um, your financial goals are and what even your personal goals are. Um, myself, I always in, enjoy figuring out what's most important to our clients and then just finding a solution to whatever the problem is right now. And so in a time like right now where there's a lot of uncertainty, we have the coronavirus going on, we're quarantined. Some people, it's definitely unfortunate. Some people have lost their lives. Some people have lost their jobs. Um, we have this time 
where we can sit back and focus on what we want to accomplish and how we can come out of the coronavirus pandemic stronger, financially fit, um, mentally fit, physically fit, um, to be able to carry us uh, forward. So that way, the next time that something like this happens, um, we can capitalize on this opportunity that's in front of us. Because that's all it is. It's a milestone and it's an opportunity. Um, And so I welcome you all, I welcome anyone else who, who is listening to this to give me a call um, and, and be able to have that conversation on how we can help you all reach your goals. Woo woo! <laughs> yeah, that was See, so good. That was amazing. So, question yeah. for you: This is offline. Um, we right. try to we pride ourselves on providing like supplementary resources or things for people to do um, after yeah. the podcast. Is there a, like a worksheet or like something that you could share with us that you would maybe would advise that people like work through or just like a worksheet or anything that would be of use to our listeners? Oh, yeah. I've got uh, a couple of different things. I have, I guess, a budget sheet that oh, that'd be good. lists out, um, you know, all of the different areas that, you know, our money can go. And so there's, you know, sometimes that we have subscriptions that takes, you know, $30 a month out of our account and we don't even know it. Um, utility bills and all that, but it can put it on one piece of paper, uh, to where ultimately you can see uh, where everything is going. And then you can also look back and say, okay, if I'm making $2,000 a month and all of my expenses, I can live off of 1500, then where is this extra $500 a month going? Um, and one of the things I found, even just being in this quarantine is like, I used to eat out a lot mm-hmm. um, and I've been forced to cook at home more often <laughs> and I've saved a significant amount of money during this tour team by just, you know, making that small tweak of going to the grocery store and, and spending, you know, $150 or $100 a week um, instead of spending, you know, $30 a day, which right. over time. Right. You definitely build up like your habits <laughs> during this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was getting after. This is although it's tragic that, you know, we can't go to a restaurant or we can't go to a bar. We can't get mimosas on a Sunday. <laughs> this is a time that, that I mean, this is never happened where they shut down. I mean, it's happened before, of course, but in our lifetime where they shut down everything and forced you in your homes to, to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out, you know. What can you do better? Right, right. Kirsten and I have um, been really focused on bringing something out of quarantine rather than trying to leave everything behind. Part of my story and why I'm so passionate about what we do is like, I grew up in a single parent home. Um, my dad missed 10 years of my life. So naturally we struggled financially um, to the point of, you know, I came home multiple times in high school and we only had 30 days to live in our home. Uh, no plan, no money on where we were going to go next. Um, no college fund. And so for me, it's always been, how can I not have to go through that again? How can I make sure my family never has to go through something like that again? And how can I make sure an entire community of people that I can have an impact on never have to, you know, struggle like that financially because it wasn't a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. Um, And ultimately, that's just why I'm passionate about what we do. You've been listening to the First Cup Podcast. 
Hey, Jumpstarters, head to our website, thefirstcutpodcast.com for all the downloadable content from today's show. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at The First Cup Podcast. And of course, hit that subscribe button and let us know how you like today's show. Thank you for listening.